0: We follow patterns and our hormones are causing us to have specific patterns that impact our energy levels, our mood, our cognition, our ability to focus, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Welcome
1: to Sex, Body, and Soul. I'm Kate Roberts, founder of The Body Agency. And on this show, we talk about the marvel that is our bodies, what they can do and what they need to thrive. Ladies out there, our time is now. Let's get to it. Our next guest is cycle sinking nutritionalist, Nicole Bendian, who is a women's health expert who helps women overcome the havoc caused by our hormones and our cycles to turn it into a propeller of success by balancing our hormones, supporting our bodies, and predicting our cycles through nutrition and lifestyle. Now, we're actually going to talk about what cycle syncing is, what we should be eating, even the effects of a good orgasm. Nicole has a boatload of professional certifications in the nutrition and supplements and micronutrients world, and she is also a teen femme certified teacher. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Nicole Bendayan, welcome to the show.
0: Hello, thank you for having me.
1: Well, it's so good to have you because, first of all, periods happen to all of us all over the world and we all bleed and they have a bad reputation. We have stigma attached to it. We don't like having them. We pray for them to be over, and then when it's over, we pray for them to come back. (laughs) So we have a weird relationship with our periods, and I'm very excited to really dive into how nutrition and lifestyle and really understanding your menstrual cycle can help us to go through all this on a monthly basis gracefully and with some form of
0: enjoyment. Because with your guidance, we're gonna be super healthy. Yes, it's super incredible as well because when we do live in alignment with our cycles, we actually learn to love it. And a lot of my clients tell me how much they love their periods now. So as women during the reproductive life, they have about 451 menstrual cycles in their life, spanning 38.5 years. So yeah, we definitely wanna be able to live in tune with it and enjoy it as much as possible.
1: That's a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. That is a lot of blood, <laughs> and I think periods are very, very misunderstood around the world. You know, there's crazy things that yes. happen also in different parts of the world, where you know, I I talked about the stigma. You know, some some cultures persecute us for having periods, which is a completely natural thing, and it tells us that we can still reproduce. So, tell us about a little bit about you, Nicole, because you've gone down this path, you've become an expert. Why have you chosen to do this kind of work?
0: Sure. So I actually started doing this work a couple of years ago because. I was so shocked when I found out that there was four phases to my menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. And I think this goes back to the stigma and the lack of education around women's health and reproductive health. I was about 24 years old and had been on birth control for about 10 years, and I had been experiencing a lot of issues, a lot of symptoms that were related to my birth control that I was really dismissed about. And during the same time, I was going through my nutrition education and I was very into the wellness world and loved to learn about the body and everything else. It wasn't until I finally went off of birth control and took the plunge to actually look at these hormones because I knew that the hormones affected your, not just your physical body, but your mind, your mood, your creativity, and so much more. And I knew that there was fluctuations within the menstrual cycle, but I didn't really know what that meant. So Mm -hmm. I went online and I found out that there was four phases to my menstrual cycle. And I was so... Dumbfounded and shocked and upset that I had never heard about this before. Mm-hmm. And because it's not general knowledge, and it's things that when we know it, we're able to utilize it and understand our patterns and the predictable pattern that our hormones follow to really optimize our life. And, you know, it really stemmed from this place of confusion and being upset and being dismissed Mm. and you know during my nutrition education I went through the process of really finding out about my cycle and figured out that you can actually tailor your lifestyle and your nutrition to the hormonal fluctuations that are going on and that can really help you optimize your life both professionally and personally and through your health and so much more so it's Mm. been a very interesting journey and very incredible journey Gosh,
1: I wish I'd met you 20 years ago. I could have <laughs> I could have had way less discomfort. All right, mm-hmm. let's talk about those different phases. This is fascinating. What are the phases? And and can you also just to get the physicality out of this, could you just explain periods? Just give us the basics on um, really what they are and what they are doing just before sure, we get I'd into the, to. to get into the I'd phases because you know what we have a lot of we have a lot of men listening to this podcast and I think it's really important that they understand what periods really
0: are. Totally. And I think a lot of women don't know what periods are and what's actually like biological processes happening in their bodies during all of their period and all of their cycle, not just, you know, PMS or their period, Mm. because in actuality, your hormones are fluctuating consistently throughout the 28 to 34 day cycle. So it's really important to understand each phase so that you can better support each phase as well as the coming phases. Mm. So let me run through it really quick and give you some kind of guidelines about it. Mm. And a period is the menstrual phase and that's the first phase in your cycle. The cycle should be between 24 and 36 days. That's really optimal ranges. Mm -hmm. Anything above and below that, you're starting to get into your body showing you that something might be askew. So the full cycle is from the first day of your period to the last day. So the first day of your period to the next first day of your period. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the day of the cycle. Mm -hmm. And like I said, the first phase is your menstrual phase. That's your period. That's when the endometrium is shedding. You're actually bleeding. Mm -hmm. During this time is actually when your hormones are at their lowest. And then coming out of the menstrual phase, you go into the follicular phase. And that's when the egg starts to be developed and starts to produce estrogen. Mm -hmm. And as estrogen is rising, you end up feeling a lot more energetic and, you know, a lot more creative and so on. And then you go into the ovulatory phase and that is in and around ovulation. So when the egg is actually being released Mm -hmm. during the ovulatory phase, the hormones can actually fluctuate between 30 and 50% just around ovulation. So that's really the height of the menstrual cycle. And in order to have a full menstrual cycle, you do need to be ovulating. So ovulating is a really, really important um, indicator of your overall health. Mm. And then after ovulation, after your ovulatory phase, you go into the luteal phase. And this is when progesterone becomes the dominant hormone. Um, and you know that has a lot of calming effects. It actually speeds up your metabolism. And then if an egg isn't fertilized, both progesterone and estrogen will um, cease to be produced and that then triggers the next cycle and that then triggers your next period.
1: Mm. And talk us through PMS. First of all, what is PMS and why do we get it?
0: Sure. So premenstrual syndrome is, there's actually five different types of PMS. And this is what a lot of women don't know about. There's five different types of PMS that each have their own natural protocol, as well as potential reasons why they may be caused. So I'll go through those really quickly. Mm -hmm. The first type of PMS is PMS type A, and that is anxiety. So you may be feeling a little bit of overwhelm, anxious tendencies, et cetera. Then there's type D, which is depression. And that's when you're going to be feeling a little bit more fatigued, overwhelming sadness. You may experience crying spells. And then there is PMS type C, which is cravings. And that's usually cravings for simple carbohydrates like white flour and sugars, chocolate. Chocolate, definitely. <laughs> and usually that's also associated with headaches and migraines. Mm. Then there is type W, or it's also known as type H. So it's water retention or hyperhydration. And that's when your body's retaining water. You could experience slight weight gain, breast tenderness, um, as well as just general emotional upset. And then there is type P, which is the newest categorization, and that is pain. And that's usually categorized by cramping, <laughs> um, painful periods, etc. So- About 80 to 90% of women say that they experience PMS at some point in time. Type A, so anxiety, and type W, water retention, are the two most dominant types with over 70% of people who experience PMS saying that they're experiencing those types.
1: Now, you are a nutritionist and also a lifestyle guru, (laughs) <laughs> and you help your patients, your, your clients get through this gracefully. And as you say, help them to even enjoy it. I, mm-hmm. I actually really enjoy getting my period. I'm, I'm very lucky I do not experience PMS. I have no symptoms. I'm not bragging. But I just like getting it because it just makes me feel like a woman every month. <laughs> and, you know, I'm definitely at that stage where I'm going to completely stop having them soon. So... I'm, I'm delighted to get them right now. So you are a nutritionist and a lifestyle coach. Talk us through some of the self-care tips. And it's also all on your website. I encourage everyone to go through to that, to, to read about it. But, but tell us what we should be doing. What are some of the five things that we can do to care for ourselves during this time?
0: Sure. So during menstruation and throughout your whole cycle stress reduction is really, really important. Mm -hmm. It's really important for your hormones because stress is actually a physical response in the body. It's cortisol being released, which can negatively disrupt your sex hormones. So your reproductive hormones. Um, So it's really, really important to, you know, look at self-care through a menstrual lens and through a lens of, you know, your cycle Mm -hmm. And some of my favorite ways to really care for myself and what I tell, um, you know, my clients as well is first and foremost, track your cycle. Mm. So because your hormones are fluctuating, like I said, it doesn't just affect your physical health, but it also affects your mental health, your emotional health, et cetera. So when we're able to really tap into that, we can understand our patterns Mm -hmm. and that reduces a lot of the negative stigma and um, issues that we often face within ourselves as well. For instance, and I wish that I knew this when I was younger as well, because I would feel so incredible. For like two weeks, I would be like, I'm on point. Mm-hmm. I'm focused. I'm energetic. I'm, you know, social and interacting with people. And then I would just get this overwhelming, You know, I didn't want to do anything. Mm. I felt really negative, et cetera, et cetera. And that really affected my confidence, not just when that was happening, but throughout my whole like couple of years that I was experiencing this, because I didn't trust myself. I didn't Mm. understand myself. I didn't understand why I was feeling like this and why I couldn't just be consistent. So once I started tracking my cycle, I recognized that I would have the same recurring thoughts um, at different times in my cycle. So for instance, I was in a relationship and I was feeling so great about myself because I, you know, I was communicating really well and I felt really confident in the relationship. And then out of absolutely nowhere, I started getting these really negative thoughts regarding the relationship. And I was writing my in my journal at that point and I was Hmm, let's look back exactly 28 days. And there was the exact same sentence written. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So that allowed me to kind of take the onus off of myself and recognize that my hormones are affecting how I'm feeling about myself, my current situation, and that it was okay because it wasn't that there was anything wrong with me. It was really my hormones that were affecting my thoughts. Mm. so by tracking your patterns you're able to see when you know you might feel really good when you might not feel as great when you might need um, you know less social interaction or more and you can really tailor your life around that to really help your mm. boosting confidence and so much more
1: now you use the term all the time cycle syncing mm-hmm. talk us
0: through what this
1: is and how do we sync our cycles
0: Sure. Cycle syncing is actually a word that was coined by Elisa Vitti several years ago. And what it is, is that it's tailoring your nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle to the four phases of your menstrual cycle to optimize your life, both professionally and personally.
1: And that leads to nutrition, right? That's what Mm -hmm. this podcast is all about. We are all about eating well, based on our body makeup. Uh, mm-hmm. we're all about making sure we exercise every day. What should we, the certain, what, what I've read about the work that you do, are there certain foods that really help us to sail through this? So tell us about that and what should we be eating at this time in the month?
0: Yes. So it's really important to recognize that what you do in your earlier phases will then affect your next phases and up to three cycles in advance. So what we're doing in our menstrual phase and our follicular phase can really impact how we feel in our luteal phase and if we experience PMS or fatigue or whatever else it is. So it's not just about quote unquote eating healthy. It's about specifically eating for what your hormones need at the time that they need it. Mm. So for instance, during the menstrual phase, your body is losing about two milligrams of iron per day. Mm. So it's really important to focus on iron consumption and not consuming caffeine or alcohol, which Inhibits iron absorption because you're losing so much iron that can cause fatigue, etc. So it's really important to increase your iron during your menstrual phase. Mm-hmm. Then, in your follicular and ovulatory phase, your estrogen is rising and is pretty high in, into your ovulatory phase. So it's really important to help your body metabolize estrogen. And you can do so with cruciferous vegetables like cauliflower and broccoli, or with sprouts are a really good way to do that mm. as well. And that will really help your PMS, especially in those those phases. Mm-hmm. So iron. Iron is a big
1: one. I so so many women have iron deficiency around the world for yes. exactly this reason. What yes. foods have iron in? Obviously, meat, spinach. Mm. What what foods should we be? packing in at that time of the month?
0: Sure, so meat-based products have a lot of iron in them, and that contains heme iron, which the body is really has a great ability to absorb, but may lead to a little bit more toxicity, and um, especially red meat, that can increase a compound called prostaglandins that are the main cause of painful periods and harsh cramping. So you might wanna reduce the meat intake, but really focus on plant-based iron. Mm -hmm. So like you said, spinach, broccoli has a lot of iron in it as well as nuts and seeds. So pumpkin seeds have a good amount of iron and um, legumes like chickpeas. Mm -hmm. And you really want to be consuming vitamin C with the iron Mm -hmm. because that really helps with absorption. And like I said previously, to avoid caffeine or alcohol at that time, because that can inhibit absorption.
1: Mm -hmm. Now- Caffeine and alcohol. Okay, that's a big one. Um, A lot of people are like, oh no, I got to have my caffeine in the morning to jumpstart my system, especially when I'm having my period. What is limit? I mean, can we have one or two cups of coffee a day? What are the proportions here we're really talking about? glass of wine at night? You know, what do we do
0: here? (laughs) I'm going to break some hearts here, I think. (sighs) But with caffeine... For women with these hormones, it's really important throughout the whole cycle to not think that caffeine is breakfast. When you're taking in a coffee on an empty stomach, that can really disrupt your hormones and you know, that's not really aligned with uh, menstrual health. So make sure that you're eating something before you have your morning coffee or with your morning coffee. It's also great to wait like one or two hours after you wake up. Because when you wake up, your cortisol levels, so your stress hormone is at its highest. And then consuming caffeine can also boost cortisol levels a little bit, which may end up making you feel really jittery or anxious. Mm. So give it a couple of hours and eat something beforehand. And then again, in the menstrual phase, you want to kind of avoid Mm. caffeine as much as possible.
1: Okay. You just completely ruined my life, Nicole. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, well, I'm going to tell you why. And and I do think this is an important part of our discussion. I do practice intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. And I do want to delve into this of special diets and the way people are trying to control their system. Intermittent Mm -hmm. fasting really, really works for me. Now, I don't know whether it's in my mind or what it is, but it seems to work for me. Consume most of my food in a certain amount of time during the day. That means that coffee is the only thing that I can have in the morning. Now, perhaps I can switch to caffeine-free coffee, and then mm-hmm. we've solved that problem. But how's that going to work? And how does how does intermittent fasting and certain diets affect our cycles?
0: Sure. Yeah, let's definitely touch on intermittent fasting for a little bit mm-hmm. because... It's interesting. Most of the research that has been done on intermittent fasting has been done on men and postmenopausal women. Mm -hmm. So, when you're looking at a lot of these fad diets, not even fad diets, but diets in general, and a lot of other research, it isn't being done on reproductive aged women Mm. because their hormones create all of these variabilities in the studies. And, you know, it's just a lot to take. Take into consideration. So a lot of this research has only been done on men and postmenopausal women. Mm-hmm. And one of the really touted benefits of intermittent fasting is the stress response in mm-hmm. the body and how it increases the stress response. Mm-hmm. But for those with a cycle, this stress response can directly inhibit our natural hormones from being produced and thus inhibit our cycles and create a lot of issue within our cycles. Some people who, you know, are overall pretty healthy, I'm going to assume you like you don't experience PMS symptoms mm-hmm. and you've been intermittent fasting so it seems to work for you. But for people especially with hormonal issues and reproductive issues like PCOS, that can really hinder a lot of a lot of the progression toward healing. In their cases. So it's definitely something to be cautious about. And I would recommend if doing intermittent fasting to do earlier intermittent fasting. So keeping your your eating window to six to eight hours and doing that earlier in the day. So stopping to eat a little bit earlier rather than, you know, most people who do intermittent fasting or a lot of people will start eating at like 2 p.m. and then eat until 8 p.m. or 10 p.m. And that you know, causes a little bit more of an issue. If yeah. you're upping your fasting window a little bit earlier, that can be, you know, something to try to incorporate. Also with intermittent fasting, taking days off is really helpful. Yeah, yeah. So not doing it consistently, mm-hmm. but maybe one or two days a week instead of really consistently.
1: Yeah, that's super interesting. I I actually stop eating at eight o'clock at night. And for me, mm-hmm. I just feel that's a healthier way of doing it because- you know, if you're going to go to bed at, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, which we should be because sleep is Mm -hmm. so, so important, right? And limiting your alcohol also before going to sleep, limiting, looking at your cell phone, you know, all of these best Mm -hmm. practices for our health, really important. So I stop any consumption of anything by, apart from liquid water by 8 o'clock, and then I don't eat again until twelve thirty one o'clock the next day. But I will have coffee in the morning. But now I'm going to switch to caffeine-free coffee. Thank you, Nicole. Yeah,
0: especially if you're noticing that you're having these hormonal issues. Mm. You know, I think there's so much generalized information out there that I experienced it a lot, you know, in my adolescent years and then even into like my early adulthood of I would always want to do the next thing. Or, you know, everyone tooted this one diet and it's like this is the best thing that you can do mm-hmm. for yourself. Mm-hmm. But really listening to your body yeah. and connecting with yourself. And that's another one of my top self-care practices is Mm -hmm. just about connecting to yourself. Mm. So I tell a lot of my clients that in the morning, before you even get out of bed or right when you get out of bed, to kind of just scan your body, scan Mm -hmm. yourself, see how you're feeling and check in with yourself Mm -hmm. and then record that data. Um, So if it's in a journal, on your phone, whatever it is, That can tell you a lot about how you're actually feeling yeah. because I think in such a go, go, go world, we often will feel a certain way and kind of either disregard it or forget about it. But if you're intentional with connecting to yourself and cycle syncing really helps to do that Mm -hmm. um, because you're on a cycle, it can really just support you in figuring out what really works for your body. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I have noticed actually in in my own experience that my body sometimes, and we need to talk about cravings, my -hmm. body often craves, you know, meat or nuts Mm -hmm. or, you know, suddenly I'm craving bread or, you know, vegetables. I I remember being pregnant uh, with my daughter. I was just craving green vegetables. And I just really feel like there's something to that when your body... it's sending you a signal, right? As in you should be doing this. This is what your body needs, which is what you're talking about.
0: Well, I'm I'm going to say (laughs) yes and no. Yes, that it's your body telling you to consume these things. Whether it's beneficial for your body or not beneficial for your body, Mm -hmm. those are two separate things. So we will crave some foods that will be directly associated with a nutrient. So for instance, if you're craving a lot of chocolate and you just really want chocolate, the likelihood is that you actually have a magnesium deficiency, which over 50% of the U.S. population is deficient in magnesium. So if you're craving a lot of chocolate, it's likely a magnesium deficiency. But then on the other side, if you're craving simple carbohydrates, that could be a few different things. Mm -hmm. And one of those things is that you have lower serotonin, which is your happy hormone. And sugars are the easiest way for your body to get a real big rush of serotonin. But that often will cause crashes and will put you in this perpetual negative cycle. So instead of doing that, consuming foods that have tryptophan, which is the precursor to serotonin, like um, turkey has it, pumpkin seeds have it, Mm -hmm. that's a really great way to do that. And then as well, if you have imbalanced gut microbiome and specifically what's called candida overgrowth, Mm -hmm. that will actually cause you to really crave sugars and that's feeding the opportunistic bad bacteria that's actually causing some health issues.
1: Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Now I want to talk about vitamins or vitamins, as you would say. Um, (laughs) My country, it's vitamins and especially gummies. Of course, I love gummies because they have sugar in them and they're easy to eat and they don't cause those after effects of taking all those pills and feeling sick. So I want to talk about that as in how bad are gummies? Just I'm so afraid of what you're going to say. And then secondly, (laughs) can you talk to us about how our bodies absorb these extra supplements that we're taking in the form of vitamins, whether it's gummies or regular?
0: Sure. So first off with the gummies, one of the most important things for regulating your hormones is that you have stable blood sugar levels. Mm -hmm. So you don't really want to be spiking your blood sugar levels much. And having gummies that contain a little bit of sugar, quite Mm -hmm. a bit of sugar in some cases, Mm -hmm. can spike your insulin levels, which then causes a reaction in your body. So I personally prefer to stay away from gummies just because they have often sugar and then they're also likely more higher processed. Mm -hmm. So depending on how they're processed, it could cause that it's not as potent or it contains other ingredients that may not be what you're looking for to really optimize your health. And, you know, in Canada and the States, a lot of supplements aren't regulated. So that's also something to look into as well. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. So I have heard that your body does not absorb the supplements properly if you're not eating some of the foods that have, as you say, magnesium, iodine, if you're not actually eating foods along with the vitamins that
0: you're taking, then your body will just extract the nutrition. Yeah, well, it's important to note that supplements are just that, they're supplements. They're supplemental to a healthy diet. So it's really important that, you know, you don't just look at supplements as this is gonna be, you know, my be all end all, and I'm gonna be healthy because I'm getting all of my nutrients from supplements. No. Supplements are supplemental and they can be really, really beneficial. And some supplements should be eaten with foods because they contain vitamins that are fat soluble. So you need to consume them with a fat. It's also really important to have healthy gut microbiome. So that's the the gut bacteria because those will help to absorb and synthesize your the vitamins that you're consuming or the supplements mm-hmm. or of course the nutrients from food that you're consuming as well. So gut health is super, super important mm-hmm. in your body's ability to actually absorb these nutrients.
1: Mm-hmm. So you're talking about probiotics, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, probiotics are a way to replenish gut bacteria. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's said that the first time that we're exposed to bacteria is through our mother's breast milk. So from, you know infancy we have all these bacteria in our gut and throughout the outsides of mm-hmm. your body is what mm-hmm. it really is. And because we're pretty much a donut, um, all, of, all of that area has um, bacteria in it as well. So it's actually, there's been a few studies that show the importance of gut microbiome. And there was two twins that, you know, they were identical twins, had the same DNA, But one of them was super healthy, was a healthy body weight, et cetera. The other one had a lot of hormonal issues and was obese and had an issue losing weight. And they actually tested the gut microbiome and noticed that they had different microbiome. And that was likely the cause of the um, disparity between the two kind of health statuses. So it's really, really important to have healthy gut bacteria. There's good... Gut bacteria, and there's also opportunistic gut bacteria. So when this opportunistic gut bacteria starts to proliferate, um, it can kind of take over the good gut bacteria and then cause a lot of issues. You may have a lowered immune system, you may have lower serotonin levels or Mm -hmm. dopamine levels, you may have an issue actually digesting your food and absorbing the nutrients. So the gut microbiome is known as our second brain, and it is just so, so important. In our overall health, it also helps to metabolize estrogen, which is really important for cycle health as well.
1: How helpful is it when you are having period cramps to have sex?
0: Oh, that's a good one, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting that one. <laughs> um, it has been shown that actually, orgasming has yeah. um, an ability to help relieve menstrual cramps. There's a lot of other things that you can do to also help relieve menstrual cramps that include you know raspberry leaf tea really helps as Ooh. well mm-hmm. um yeah that's one of the the best things as well as magnesium a lot of people will experience cramping because they again are deficient in magnesium but sex can definitely be a really beneficial way mm-hmm. to explore that and you know if it works for you then 100% yeah. i know that a lot of people have
1: and it helps with sleep and sleep is again one of those key things mm-hmm. that we all need to yes. be healthy
0: tell us quickly what foods have magnesium in them So lots of foods have magnesium. Again, the nuts and seeds are really great with magnesium. Mm -hmm. You know, you can get it in seafood as well is really helpful. Mm -hmm. Legumes like chickpeas has it too. Edamame. Um, mm -hmm. Edamame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of the legumes. And uh, talking about edamame, edamame is
1: almost pure soy. We -hmm. hear a lot that soy is bad for us. It causes cancer. Is that a myth?
0: So let's get into it. (laughs) Yeah. So, What the issue that they found with soy was that it contained phytoestrogens. So we have estrogen in our body, and then there's also estrogen um, mimicking compounds. So these are molecules that kind of mimic estrogen in the body. And there's xenoestrogens, which are found in a lot of the products that we use, especially women with makeup products, lotions, cleaning products, fragrances. These have xenoestrogens that really are harmful and disrupt our body's ability to regulate estrogen and then can also lead to estrogen-dominant issues like endometriosis and certain cancers that are estrogen dominant like breast cancer. But then you have phytoestrogens that there's been a little bit of conflicting research being done on them, but they seem to actually have protective properties and actually help the body regulate estrogen a little bit better. So, there's kind of this mix between, but I love phytoestrogens and I think that they're really helpful in a lot of cases. But with soy specifically, soy is one of the top produce items that are sprayed and GMO, and then that can cause a lot of toxins as well. So if you are consuming soy, please get organic non-GMO soy so that you're avoiding any kind of xenoestrogens or toxins that are involved in that as well.
1: Mm. So this is part of the podcast where we really go into how all these healthy lifestyle tips are contributing to our professional life and Mm -hmm. also to our personal relationships. So what's the link, Nicole?
0: So like I've, I've mentioned a couple of times here and there, but we follow patterns And our hormones are causing us to have specific patterns that impact our energy levels, our mood, our cognition, our ability to focus, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to track your cycle and understand the patterns that your hormones are causing your body to do, then you're able to tailor your lifestyle, such as your professional life or uh, your personal life, to those patterns to really optimize each phase. So for instance, I make a calendar every month of what my different phases are going to be, and I will schedule my business meetings or podcast recordings or um, social gatherings, et cetera, usually around my ovulatory phase. But then I will know that, you know, closer to my period in my later luteal phase as well as the first couple of days of my period, that's more of a time for me and that's more of a time to go more introspective and take mm. a couple couple of beats, you know, just relax a little bit more, do more of the administrative tasks if anything because then you really avoid burnout. And I know a lot of women experience burnout and that's often because they're trying to push through kind of what their body is telling them to do. And when we're able to live in tune with it, we're really able to optimize when we're going to be most creative or most social and when it's a better time to be more um, administrative or take some time off. And then that really helps with overall productivity. Fantastic.
1: Now, we haven't mm-hmm. talked about exercise. Of course, we all know we should be exercising yes. every single day or at least, you know, three, four times a week. How does this help with our cycle sinking?
0: Sure. So, exercise as uh, is, of course, very important for hormonal health. And it's important to note that you want to exercise, but you don't want to over exercise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially for women who are in really into you know fitness and wellness, that can often come with over-exercising. And you know one of the really negative things and the really upsetting things that happen to a lot of women, especially those who have PCOS, is that they're told just to lose weight and then their hormones will become in balance. And PCOS is what? Polycystic ovary syndrome. Ooh. So that is one in 12 women have PCOS. And that's often categorized by weight gain and the inability to lose weight. So when you have PCOS, it's really difficult to actually lose weight. And when a professional tells you just to lose weight and it'll fix your PCOS, mm-hmm. a lot of women will end up exercising a lot more mm-hmm. and then they won't get the results that they want. If anything, they may actually gain more weight. Mm. And this causes a lot of a negative spiral. So it's really important to make sure that you're exercising, but not over-exercising. The standard is about 150 minutes of you know, intentional exercise per week is kind of the standard. And you really want to make sure that you're not doing excessive HIIT workouts. So that's high intensity interval training. You know, you really want to keep that to about 20 minutes each session and making sure that you're giving yourself time to rest and recover because we want to bring down those high cortisol levels that often come with working out, especially with high intensity. Mm.
1: Gosh, this is all so interesting, Nicole, and, you know, I think it's so educational. I've learned so much from you just from this session alone, and I know that you have so many more suggestions about how to live our lives, and the thing that I never put together is when you are healthy in your body, you have less symptoms during your Mm -hmm. periods, (laughs) and it's as simple as that. I often wondered why I sailed through my periods, and now I'm starting to realize, well, maybe I'm super healthy, I hope. So to end, we are sadly out of time. I have a couple of rapid fire questions for you. I always like to get to know our guests. And you're now a new bodyboard member of the Body Agency. So we're thrilled to have you in the family. And everyone who's listening out there, you will be able to book a session with Nicole through the Body Agency coming soon. And I, as you can hear from this interview, she is so incredible and such a wealth of knowledge. And we are... Thrilled to have such an expert advising us in all of these matters. Now, this podcast, you are very welcome. This podcast is called Sex, Body, and Soul. Nicole, what we would like to know from you is, first of all, your tips. How do you yourself see the subject of sex? What is the number one thing that you do for your body? And the last is what feeds your soul.
0: Mm, Okay, I love that. So first question was, how do I feel about sex? <laughs> well, what do you do? What What is
1: the number one thing you do for your own healthy sex life, your own sexual wellness? We all have sex, let's be honest. Well, I mean,
0: <laughs> and we can. <laughs> so everyone gives a tip. I love it. So I, of course, Cycle Sync my whole life. And cycle syncing your sex life is also really important. Mm. If you're not on hormonal birth control, which that's a whole other subject, but if you want to prevent pregnancy naturally, I follow the fertility awareness method, which is understanding the biomarkers of fertility to figure out when you're fertile and when you're not fertile. So that really helps with understanding when's a good time to have sex and especially if you're you're not using any sort of contraception it brings you a lot of confidence to you yeah. know not be waiting for your period to come to make sure that you know everything's good so that's really important to me and also communicating with my partner yeah. about how I'm actually feeling. Mm. And again, with cycle syncing, you're understanding when you feel more sexual or when you may feel a little bit more like you just need emotional intimacy, or you may even need some space. So that is a really great way to make sure that you're actually being really intimate with your partner is to first off, understand yourself, Mm. and then you'll be able to better communicate that with your partner, which of course builds... A healthy relationship
1: mm-hmm. number one thing you do for your body
0: cycle sinking <laughs> oh
1: god you can't keep saying that think outside of the cycle sinking box
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, everything just connects back to it it does um think so of- I'll, I'll go separate <laughs> 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 it is definitely still a healthy thing yeah. um but it's getting out into nature Being in nature and taking time alone, specifically in nature, is really Mm -hmm. important to me. Spending time alone is really important to me. I tend to get very absorbed by the energies around me. Um, So taking a second and just, you know, setting boundaries and being like, I need this day for myself. And going out into nature is by far my favorite activity. Setting
1: boundaries is something that people... Mm -hmm have so, so, they find it so hard. You know, no yeah. is a full sentence, right? Totally. And, and your soul, what feeds your soul? Cooking.
0: I got through university by procrastinating Every day by cooking, <laughs> I would spend six hours in the kitchen. It's my love language. It is how I love to connect with people. My favorite thing in the world is cooking a big meal and just watching people enjoy it and have conversation around mm-hmm. it and spend time together with food that I create. So that is definitely something that absolutely feeds my soul.
1: I am with you, sister. I think it's the best gift you can give to anybody and yourself. Um mm-hmm. Nicole, you are wonderful. Thank you so much for spending this time with us today. We cannot wait to work with you at The Body Agency and get some of those recipes. And you have a wonderful day. And again, you can learn more about Nicole at thebodyagency.com. Thanks, Nicole.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: Thank you for joining me for this episode of Sex, Body, and Soul. Remember, you can find all my favorite products and resources to support your health and sexual wellness through my one-stop shop, The Body Agency. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast listening platform. We are actually partnering up with Vital Voices to get much-needed Dignity Kits to the refugees in Ukraine. Girls and women do not have access to personal hygiene products that keep them safe and healthy. Please go to thebodyagency.com to donate a Dignity Kit today. Be sure also to sign up for our email list at The Body Agency for the latest curated recommendations from our industry experts and use our special promotional code PODCAST10 to get a 10% discount. Thank you for listening.